Hey, everybody. Welcome to Take a Knee, and this is Pastor David. Well, we have an interesting time of the year upon us, the fall, and so many people love the fall. I love the fall. I love the feeling in the air. I love football. I love going outside and enjoying the cool evenings. It's probably my favorite time of the year, and I'm sure many are with me in that choice there. So I hope that you're having a wonderful fall. I wanted to today just talk about the goodness of God. And, you know, we hear so many negative things going on right now, and, and it's hard to get our mind off the negativity. And, you know, you may not have thought about this much, but negativity is one of those things that when it comes to programming, when it comes to getting our attention, it's one of those things that they use in marketing to try to capture us, to get us to implant those subliminal thoughts within us that we should buy something or should think a certain way. And I only mention this because, you know, going through the book of Romans recently, we talk about the renewing of our mind. And I, I'm not going to talk so much about that, but really how we can do that. In fact, we're just going to do it today and to fill our minds with good things. Paul even says there in Romans chapter 12, he says, don't conform to this world. And you could spend a long time just thinking about what that means. How do we not conform to this world? Well, I mean, I think all we have to do is just kind of go down the list. How does the world think about such and such? And who is the world? You know, the church is in the world. Is the church the world? Not according to Paul. The world would, of course, be anything that is opposed to biblical truth. So that's the world and its ways, its thoughts. So it is of course, the challenge of every Christian and what we need to do. We love to watch and listen to news. I love to, and there are times when I don't want to, but I know that I need to because I need to be aware as a watchman on the wall, I have to be a watchman on the wall. I have to be looking at what is going on outside the walls, what is a threat to the church, what is a threat to my sheep. And so, being aware of what's happening around us is only wise so that you can see the attack coming a long way off. Now, I'm not the only watchman on the wall in a church. You know, you've got elders and deacons and leaders and other people that have particular gifts. And so one of the ways that we can learn to be watchmen is just to make ourselves very familiar with the ways of God. Because the more we are familiar with the ways of God, the more we can see the conflict between the way the world thinks. And I really believe this is so much a challenge when it comes to topics like human life, war, and all the different things we're drawn into politically. And as we begin to kind of validate and even categorize what we would see as being causes. What cause is more important than another cause for a person? Such as, let's say one person thinks the environment is the most important thing, or climate change is the word, I guess, the phrase of choice now. Climate change is more important than human life, perhaps. Well, and I know that there are those who think that. And when they talk about depopulation, they're thinking, well, if we're going to save the planet, we got to get rid of all the humans. And of course, there are many people who respond to that. Well, you first, right? But you notice how values, the ways of the world affect our values. And our values determine our choices, how we think about things, and how we spend our money, 
how we think of ourselves, how we treat others. And we can even violate the law of love for the sake of what we might consider a conviction. Now, what is the difference between a conviction? I mean, what are convictions? How do we develop convictions? Well, we develop convictions through biblical truth. And now, of course, I'm looking at our context as believers. We develop convictions based on biblical truth. And what would be a conviction? A conviction is something you are essentially willing, I wouldn't say you would be willing to die for, but pretty close. Let's just say that a conviction is something you're willing to suffer for and perhaps die for. That's a conviction. And now that's pretty strong, isn't it? Well, what is everything else? Well, I've heard Bible teachers say that everything else would be what we would call preferences. And so in other words, there are things that we prefer, but they're not things that we would be willing to die for. Somebody may be willing to die for a preference, and that would be a person we would call a fool because they're dying for something that is not true or is just your preference. In other words, it's just what fits into your life, but it would be up for debate on whether other people would die for it. So again, back into Christianity, a conviction is what we base our choices and our lives upon those things that we just will not compromise because it's biblical truth. A preference might be what I want to eat or not eat, or whether you might want a beer or not have a beer, or whether you choose to go to a beach or to the mountains. And you have, in some cases, choices, financial or moral, why you would go to the beach or not go to the beach. Some people don't like going to the beach because they don't like seeing scantily clad human beings and so on and so forth. So this comes down to preferences, right? And convictions. Convictions will be those things that we base our life upon and how we make our choices. So we're living in this world where there's a lot of confusion over that. And so we can get drawn in. We began this discussion talking about the renewing of our mind and why biblical truth helps us to establish that. And so I want to look today at David's writing here in Psalm 103. And I love these prayers. And I want to read this because I tell you, if there's a psalm you want to camp on in these days, it's this one for a while because it's so rich. And again, David, we know, is a man who was ahead of his time. He was a prophet. He heard from God. He was, of course, a musician, a psalmist, one who could write in such a way that represented the heart of God and even became prophetic. So let's read some of this and comment as we go along, filling our hearts and our minds up with biblical truth. David begins, Psalm 103, praise the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, and who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Boy, I'll tell you what, if there is anything that really kind of sums it up in that section of 103, it's right there. David is very excited. That's why he praises God, because he forgives our sins. He redeems our life from the pit. So what I love about this is that you can see that Psalm 103 is David's attempt, and a successful one at that, of getting his heart in the right place, getting his mind in the right place. So let's praise the Lord, because our sins are forgiven in Jesus Christ, who redeems my life from my mistakes, from the pit, of course, of hell, but also the judgments that come in this world for those who do not know him. We're not under the wrath of God anymore, as Paul would tell us, and crowns us with love and compassion. So 
when you think of crowning us, he's bringing us up to a place of tremendous confidence and authority because of his love and compassion. And he satisfies our desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like an eagle's. You know, when you're happy, you feel energetic, don't you? I mean, a lot of us become fatigued because of all the bad news we're listening to all the time. And again, this is all part of the demoralization that the enemy wants to bring upon our society, upon homes, upon people, upon children. And demoralization then leads to trauma. And trauma leads to hopelessness. And of course, areas of real bondage. And we don't want that. When the mind is traumatized, lies can easily come in, and we don't want that. So our sins are forgiven. He heals us of our diseases. We can trust him for that. He keeps us from going down to the pit and satisfies our desires. He goes on. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses and his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. And as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Fantastic. Such incredible encouragement to know that God loves us in the way that he does, and that he's compassionate and slow to anger, (laughs) amen, abounding in love. This is who God is. This is the God we serve, okay? And sometimes we forget about this, don't we? Sometimes we just think of the wrathful God, the God who's ready to wrap all this up. And I think this is a mistake, too, that I will just comment on right now. I think it is a mistake for us to be thinking apocalyptically right now. I think it is the enemy's intent to do this. I mean, we have been forewarned with the book of Revelation, and somebody might come to me and ask me, you know, are we getting close to the end times? It could be. I don't know. I mean, John said that the Antichrist, and there are many Antichrists, even 2,000 years ago, that had already gone out from them. So the Antichrist spirit has been on the earth for 2,000 years. It's moving. I really believe that eventually it will manifest in its final position in a man and a person, a man of wickedness who will deceive all of mankind with peace and set himself up as God. And so we're not going to miss that, folks. We're not going to miss it. But it does say that there is going to be this great falling away that will precede that. And sometimes I wonder about that. Yet, I really believe that the church is growing stronger right now. And we've been told this. We've been told that there was a decline, but because of the pandemic and a lot of the negativity, that the gospel is going forward. There's a harvest. So there's really not a great falling away right now. Perhaps that comes later. Or this could be the last great bringing in of the harvest, and then the end will come. I don't know. But I think we need to just fill our hearts. Like I was saying, I think it's a mistake for us to camp on apocalyptic thinking. We need to trust God. We need to put our hope in the Lord. Let's keep going. Verse 13, as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. The life of mortals is like grass. They flourish like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it and it's gone and its place remembers it no more. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him and his righteousness with their children's children, with those who keep his covenant 
and remember to obey his precepts. That's a conviction I was talking about earlier. So those who don't know God, there's a hopelessness. There's not a sense of what goes beyond. But for those of us who do know us, that the love we experience, we know will be passed on from generation to generation. And then, of course, we'll be waiting for those generations to join us in heaven until the end. The Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. Boy, that's just a stake in the ground, is it not? That is just a pole that cannot be moved. It's driven deep, cannot be pulled up. God is overall. And we know in Psalm 2 that God looks at it and laughs and says, you know, this is all hopeless, all of your attempts to try to remove me. It just won't happen. So don't fear that. In fact, don't fear anything at all. We have everything and every reason to hope. And let's not give the devil any due. Yes, there will be dark times. Yes, there will be those who struggle, perhaps even fall away, but it's not going to be you. It's not going to be me. We're going to trust the Lord, and we're going to trust him that we're going to walk through the water and not drown through the fire and not be burned, that we're going to experience his goodness in the land of the wicked, that we will continue as the wicked continues to be like that flower that fades and falls away. So now will be left those who trust the Lord. And so we finish with this. Praise the Lord, you his angels, you mighty ones who do his bidding, who obey his word. Praise the Lord, all his heavenly hosts, you his servants who do his will. Praise the Lord, all his works everywhere in his dominion. Praise the Lord, my soul. Our response to everything really in this world should be praise. I love worship, and I know many of my friends love worship too. Worship is incredibly important. You should make worship a part of your life. Because if there's anything that we need to do in the face of what is happening in the world today, it is to worship. Because in our worship, we place God where he belongs. Not that he's moved or gone anywhere, but only in our minds, in our recollection, in our assumptions, our beliefs, our convictions, and even our preferences. The Lord is established. He is thrown, cannot be moved, and he's good, and he's kind, and he's compassionate. He forgives all of our sins. He heals all our diseases. He goes before us and he establishes his works and plans through our lives. Wonderful good things are on the way for you, my friend, because that's the way our God works. Because we are his people, the sheep of his pasture. God is not shaken by anything you see going on in the world today, folks. The only reason why we're bothered by it is because we listen to it. We watch it. Ah, let's not do that. Let's not watch it anymore. Let's put our focus on the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And let's get busy doing the works that God requires to love people, to share the gospel. Now's the time, folks. Now is the time. Let me pray for us. Lord, I thank you that now is an acceptable time of the Lord, that now is a time, Lord, for us to continue sharing the gospel because, Lord, the world is hungry. They have so much negativity. Lord, they think that the world's going to blow up real soon. Lord, they think that this environment is going to destroy them all if they don't destroy each other first or elect to kill themselves. Lord, let the peace of God come. Lord, let your salvation be known. And Lord, stop the mouths of the evil ones, those who are trying to control this earth, those who are trying to be kings, and Lord, to be on your throne. Lord, cast them down, and Lord, let the world see them for who they are, deceivers, liars, thieves. And Lord, may you be established and your people experience the glory of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords in every area of our lives. Lord, let there be success. Lord, let there be joy. Let there be peace. Let there be prosperity. 
Lord, let there be an expansion of your kingdom among new people that are coming to you every single wonderful day. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you folks, and we'll see you next time.